0: Art of Visuals community, and welcome to the Art of Visuals podcast, a content series to inspire the creators, the mavericks, the hustlers, and the visionaries who believe that art and creativity have the power to impact and change culture. This series was created for you, the explorers of the world. We're here because you're not alone on this journey to becoming your best self. This series shares real authentic stories direct from the world's most talented creative community. These stories are meant to inspire, motivate, and educate you and the rest of the AOV family. With over a decade of experience in entrepreneurship, content creation, and self-development, the AOV team is here to create a new kind of culture within our community, one that inspires action, love, growth, and fulfillment. You are now tuning in to the AOV Podcast. What's going on, everyone? Prince here with Art of Visuals. And right now, today's guest is Sam Brockway. Hello. He is a lifestyle and travel photographer based out of here in our hometown, Boise, Idaho. He goes by Brock Way Out on Instagram. He has an amazing dog named Poppy, the Moose Dog. Make sure to check out his Instagram <laughs> and Poppy. Sam? Welcome to the show, bro. Hey, thanks.
1: I'm glad to be here. There yeah, it's good an good opportunity. It feels like uh, we're having uh, one of our regular beers. <laughs> I know.
0: So, Sam, so Sam and I, we we catch up. I want to say quarterly. It feels yeah, like,
1: Yes, you know, periodic check-in. Yeah,
0: check in. Yeah, check in, grab a beer. Uh, he travels quite a bit, um, so he's oftentimes out and on the road. But it's always really nice to catch up with you. And always, see what you yeah, too, and all that good stuff. Why don't you start us off by giving the AOV community a little bit of background on yourself?
1: Sure. Yeah, so uh, I'm a travel photographer, so I call myself anyway. Realistically, I probably am one of the people that falls under the dubious term of lifestyle photographer, but I'll go ahead and own that. I mostly do uh, photography with all kinds of travel agencies all over the West, and I go everywhere with my girlfriend and my dog, which is the uh, primary subjects you'll see across my feed.
0: Dude, I dig it. Let's take a step back to the beginning of this journey. How did you end up falling in love with photography?
1: Sure, so I I probably came into photography like a long time after I'd already been in love with photography. So the idea that I could be a photographer took me a while to kind of come by. Uh, I'd always lived in the outdoors. I'd always been going backpacking. I grew up in a beautiful mountain town and was always inspired by scenery but really it kind of took me like having a friend group or one or two guys were taking really good photos from those trips. And at that point, like I thought like a star trail shot was the coolest thing anybody could do. So see a star trail shot of our campground. I'm like, that's amazing. I need to be able to do that. And so ran out and bought a, you know, Canon rebel T3. I went to Europe, took a ton of photos and they're really fun to look at, but I would never show any of them to anybody anymore. And, uh, I actually, I got super into Flickr way back in the day, and I started like following people who are doing actual interesting things and seeing, you know, ways you could express yourself with a camera beyond just, here's a pretty thing, aim a a camera at it. Right. And um, that sort of started the long, slow journey into me kind of pushing myself to see, you know, what I could accomplish artistically, which is still something I kind of struggle with is thinking of myself as an artist.
0: Outdoors guy first, yeah and photographer what was so I, I I love asking that question because so many people either you you're in one or the other, right, as far as the buckets, either you fell in love with the outdoors and the outdoors inspired you to get into photography or you fell in love with photography, yeah and photography. Uh, more or less, got you traveling and getting outdoors. Yeah, and I think that's more. fair. And so it's always really interesting to see. Yeah, you know what came first, sure. and I think it has a lot to do with people's style and what they shoot. Like you, not necessarily considering yourself an artist first, like more of an environmentalist and outdoorsman first, 100%. and then a photographer second. I think it says like your feed shows that. Like I think you have a very outdoor-focused feed, but you have like this. Really beautiful symbiotic relationship with people and mm-hmm. nature, but not in a cheesy big landscape. Put a little sure. person in the corner type way. Like it's a very, yeah, uh, like I said, very natural symbiotic uh, flow. It it just looks, it's peaceful. Sure, like you know your your girlfriend Megan, you uses your model most of the time, and, and Poppy. It always looks like such a peaceful experience, <laughs> hanging out sure. in. Uh, this part of the mountain on this rock and this in this uh, hot spring or whatever, maybe it never feels forced and it never feels glamorized, sure. Which I really love, and I think that I mean I could be wrong, but I think it has to do with just what we just spoke about your background and sure. You know,
1: I right. mean, I think uh, I think a lot of people when they travel with me for the first time are kind of shocked that I don't like just live with the camera in my hand. I mean, I have the camera in my hand, but I'm not just shooting 24 hours a day. I'm I I pretty much shoot the way that I travel and the way that we're actually enjoying what we're doing. And so um, it does tend to be that, like, I'm just taking a photo of what's actually happening in a given moment. And so uh, I don't try to do a lot of scene setting. um, And I I think that, uh, like, we love our lifestyle so much that my goal is only just to, like, get these moments of, like, this is our lifestyle happening. And we love doing it. We're not, you know trying to create a scene. I'm not I'm not a photographer that really actually goes for a really big, complex story in my images usually. Like, I think within the idea of, sometimes like lifestyle photography can be a little bit about like, I'm so interesting, look at my story, look at these cool things that I do, follow me because I'm a really cool person. Right. Where what I think is really cool and what always captivated me with uh, the lifestyle photographers I kind of would first see that I thought was really inspiring was not like, oh, that place is so beautiful and that person looks rad in this picture. I want to go there. But more like like that feeling of like, you know, you're driving the Oregon coast and like your favorite song clicks on your drive with your girlfriend. the like side, that moment. And you like love that moment. I like love capturing that moment. And that's kind of more, more inspires me.
0: Dude, I love that. The moment. First of all, I wish more people shot that way. I think it's difficult for people, Mm -hmm. depending on what it is that you do and how you make your living, because we all know there's very specific looks that seem to do much better in the Instagram sphere than, you know, more organic and natural moments do. Uh, And so, big props to that. I love that you stick to your guns and it's just kind of like, this is my style, this is what I shoot. How do you... I mean, do you ever combat or have you ever historically combated with any type of like social media anxiety, like knowing that, like, hey, I could probably grow faster. I could be bigger. I could get more opportunities if I were to just do things kind of like these guys are all doing.
1: Of course I have. <laughs> yeah. No, I uh, I mean, I've done it all. I've tried to recreate shots. I've tried to, you know, go to places because I saw some cool angles. Like, oh, I got to get that shot. I've done it all. Yeah, sure. Even like, you know, when it comes to processing, been influenced by things you're doing and hoping that it, you know, but I will say that every time I go down that like road, I immediately feel like frustrated with myself when I feel myself falling into it. And I even see the engagement going down. Like, it's just like, it's so inauthentic for me to be kind of trying to do some of those things. So, um, I'll always probably be a little bit victim to feeling that pressure because I think, um, you know, in social media, A, you like you get attracted to the numbers and the success some of these people have, but also, I mean, some of them are friends. I'm like, that's an awesome shot that guy just shot. I want to do that. You know, like I hit him up and be like, oh, where'd you get that shot? But then, like, once I start going down that road, I'm always kind of like, oh, this isn't exactly what I want to be doing. I kind of don't know why I did All that work. Uh, I'll give you a a good example. I had a a big road trip I was on with just Poppy. Um, We were going out to the Oregon coast on the way up to Washington. And I was doing a, um, I was in a photography workshop up there. Mm -hmm. And I like was stopping at all these places and checking out these cool things in Oregon that I'd seen on Instagram, but I'd never seen in real life. And I went up and did the like, um, oh, what's it called? Uh, Is it? Oh, it's like the big bend in the road. This, no, oh, oh, uh, something Crest. Rowena Crest. Uh, Rowena Crest. Krest. Yes. Rowena yes. I and I Rowena got Krest. up there and it was harsh light. It was like, I knew that driving up. I was like, there's no way there's going to be a shot up there. Like it was like a 15 minute detour. Got up there and I was just like rushed. I needed to get back on the roads. I had somewhere I had to be at a certain time. And I was like, I'm, why, I'm not enjoying this. Why am I doing this right now? There's like this crumpling feeling If Instagram got me on this one it's a slippery slope yeah
0: i mean i think it's really easy for people to get caught in that trap and it's really easy to lose yourself i think in that trap because yeah. the moment you start to, you know you post a few of those instagram bangers as they call them and mm-hmm. the moment you start getting that juice through those likes start coming in the comments start flowing everything starts happening boom dopamine hits oh yeah. you're in you're yeah. like wow that yep. was a Rush. Wow. I just gained more followers than I ever have after posting it. a photo. Wow. Yeah. Like, I want to keep doing this thing. And I think it's fun actually for a lot of people at first. I don't think there's a bad vibe. No. For weeks. Like it's a high. Like you are a cloud nine, yeah. just the new you, new year, new style, new feed, whatever. <laughs> but it's and we all write sure. like, these cycles, but oftentimes, you know three months in. It's like a job and people are really yep. sucked about a new job and then they hate it three months in. Sure. That's kinda how I think it is and with Instagram when you don't create from the heart, yep. which is why I have so much respect for what you do and I think it's so important to create art from the heart. And with that said, how do you how do you deal with like finding your own creative style and not just copying everyone else on Instagram?
1: So I probably have more than a few hot takes on this. <laughs> one of my hot takes, I think, is that I I think presets are a great thing for people to buy. I think they're a great way to support artists because mm-hmm. it's a, one of the few ways you can really get, you know, uh, direct monetary contribution to support somebody's art and what they've done. Um, but i think one of the best ways to learn how to especially edit and develop your own style and compose shots is to like actually go ahead and go out and recreate somebody's shot start to finish do the editing don't use a preset and then you like you'll never get it quite right cuz you don't have exactly the you know combination of tone curve and you know split tone or whatever they're doing but if you get pretty close along that way you're going to find these things in the process you're like Oh, I like that on my stuff. I like want to carry that into other looks that I do, and like I, I, think it's okay to use some of that influence and some of those building blocks into kind of figuring out who you are and the way you want to do your you know, color correcting and doing your um, composing and all that. Um, but that being said, I, I do think there's no way around it eventually when you shoot enough, regardless of how many influences you have, your eye is going to be drawn to some certain things. And you're just going to develop that over time and kind of know exactly where you want to go with something without having to have a reference point.
0: See, I think that's the main thing is the eye. Like what you just said. It's easy to correlate style with editing. And I noticed that when that's the topic, 80% of that conversation is editing
1: yeah
0: in regards to style where i think what makes style for someone is really your eye yeah because the editing i mean you can give anyone your presets and looks and all that stuff like the reality like if you understand lightroom and photoshop it's really not that hard to, yeah to recreate someone's editing look sure Really, like there might yeah. be some high level things that they do with the dodge and burn and stuff to play with the lighting and things like that. But yeah. as far as like getting that tone of blue or that tone of green, if you know what you're doing and you can, and you just start sure. like to tinker, it yeah. doesn't take long to figure it out. And so what I think really creates that style is that is the eye, you know, you have 20 photographers shooting the same mountain, mm-hmm. or the same building and watch how different.
1: It's pretty funny. And we, and yeah. And yeah. Whenever you go with a big group of people about. who've been shooting a bunch, it's so funny how different it comes out. How they frame it. Yep
0: wide tight low high eye level leading lines what are they like that's what excites me and that would be a fun test don't you think
1: oh love it to show
0: like i think that would probably be the best showcase of showing different popular instagrammers creative style is by taking them to the exact same spot and shooting the same building or same subject Mm -hmm. and then looking at the 10 different images like sure and that'll like, that style. Yeah. And that would be a lot of fun. I think that would be, like, a cool – and we're always comparing cameras and gear and like <laughs> yeah. that. But it would be fun to start doing, like, yep. photographer, like, style comparisons. There sure. Anything?
1: Oh, absolutely. Yeah, I think it would be a blast. Uh, and even, like, you know, when if you're a budding photographer, like, it's one of the coolest things ever to get together with a bunch of people who are developing that on style and see what else you create because it's always shocking how different it is.
0: I think that'd be a – dude – I might have to create that show. <laughs> I'm just saying, I think it would be a really cool show to have oh, yeah. five photographers go out, shoot the same thing, hear what they're talking about, like them mic'd up, talking about their workflow, what they're doing, why they're doing it, why they walked over here, what they're trying to achieve, yeah. seeing the finished product, yeah. and then them, you know, explaining, you know, this is what I earlier. This is what I said I tried to achieve. Do you think you hit what you got? Blah blah. Here's their style, and I think it's an educational way for people to learn. And I think it's just a cool way to just yeah to just you know if it's short sure five minute episodes like I, yeah. I would enjoy that like I would just get a kick out of just <laughs> how people <laughs> think differently like yeah getting in the mindset of a photographer doing shooting I think would just be really fun. It's like an NFL player like when they're backed yeah. up at practice. It's just like, this is interesting. More interesting than the game, just watching these guys curse at each other. And,
1: sure, yeah. You
0: know, communicate.
1: Yeah, I'd uh, I'd be really... I'd enjoy to watch that show. I would be w- nervous about having myself mic'd up through my workflow <laughs> of oh, shit, I'm so overexposed right now. <laughs> so let's talk gear a little bit. Sure. Camera, you rocking? The trusty old Canon 6D uh, and then I've got... I'm getting as many of the Sigma ART primes as I can dude
0: they're the best yep of the 24
1: 35 50 yeah what's your go-to when I'm hiking around the 24 lives on my camera Mm -hmm. um and then if I'm doing product work or if I have like anything that could have portraits mixed in I I'll keep the 35 on there and then the 50 is kind of more specialized use and then I have like a canon 200 prime for if I need a long lens for something
0: okay Nice, twenty fours go to when you're out oh, hiking. Yep, loving the Sigma lineup right now.
1: Correct. You a tripod
0: guy? Or uh,
1: well, I out do. Out. So I, my, I don't know if it's what I'm best at. My favorite thing to shoot is night. Mm-hmm. So, okay, so definitely. Um, yeah, definitely use a tripod for that. The Sarui, I don't remember what the tripod's like are always I mean, one yeah. of those
0: like things. Yeah, where. You never know what someone might tell you when you ask them what type of tri- camera. Yeah. You're like, yeah, Nikon, sure. Sony. Sure, Cam- so many brands. Tripod. You're like, oh, okay.
1: Would, would, sure. Would I- highly recommend my tripod. Just couldn't tell you what it is. Yeah. <laughs> like a Suri Ten Thousand T or something like that. I don't know. It's aluminum. It's a little heavier for like a backpacking tripod, but I'm right. a big guy, so I can handle it. Whatever.
0: Definitely. <laughs> um, outside of uh, camera lens, what is your uh, what do you guys like? What are you using for
1: editing? Lightroom, Photoshop, I, I try not to do too much mobile touch-ups on, like, Snapseed or VSCO or anything like that after, but sometimes I do. I don't know. So uh, explain that to me. Why? So I'm always curious.
0: Um, I mean, I understand, but mm-hmm. I'd love for you to share because there's probably other people that are curious as why people add it on their computer in Lightroom, and then they move it to their phone, and then they make some final and tweaks. And touch in. it, yeah. Whatever, Lightroom Mobile, Snapseed. You yeah. didn't put it on Instagram. Why is that?
1: Um, I think for me, the biggest thing is that I'm not – I'm sorry, everybody out there. I'm not an Apple guy. I'm just not. And so I'm working with screens that aren't calibrated to what most people are looking at it on. Gotcha. So I do have an iPad Pro. So if I bring it on the iPad Pro and then do some final tweaks, then I feel like I get a more accurate color representation of what people are going to see when it's on Instagram. Where if I'm just posting it straight online to like 500px or something, like I have a pretty good feel of what it's going to look like, and yeah. so I'll just post it without messing with it anymore. Does that make any sense? Yeah.
0: No, most definitely. Uh, it's funny you say that. Like, I don't know how many people think that way, but obviously making sure your image is calibrated for the monitor, it's going to be displayed on matters and considering most people are on Apple devices yeah. and viewing content on, yep. on their iPhone. There's a good chance that it could look different yep. on a different display, and so uh, it's kind of like a musician. I, musicians sure. learn their music through computers, through headphones, through a car, through a nice sound system because sure. the bass, the acoustics, the trebles, etc., sound different. So love that. What is your workflow? What does it look like? So like, what do you use Lightroom for? What do you use Photoshop for?
1: So. My ideal workflow looks like I get right home and then I just uh, load it all into Lightroom. I organize by year, the number of the month, and then by place. Uh, That's my brain... Works that way so, like, I can remember where I was in September of you know 2015, where I think a lot of people don't like that workflow. It works for me, right. and then I race through, do um, you know, one zero tags for what are my picks, and just delete the ones I'm not going to use because I'm tired of having space fill up with photos I'm never going to use because the files are so big now that it's a really bad right. problem that can stack up on you. Then go through again and do a second round of picks, and those will be the ones that I edit. I edit those and figure out what use I'm going to have for them. I'll have like a Instagram folder. I'll out pour, export to, I'll have a 500px folder I'll export to, website, stuff like that. Um, and so that way, like when I, I can go into Google, I send them out to Google folders. So that way, like I can go into Google and look up what photos I have to post next. And that's usually my flow. Um, but I try to do as much of the edits as possible in Lightroom, anything that requires stitching, Usually, if I'm doing anything for prints, I do longer lens photos that I stitch together in Photoshop. Mm -hmm. Um, So I'll use Photoshop for that, and then uh, any removing of major elements I do in Photoshop. But I keep my Photoshop edits pretty basic at this juncture. Yeah.
0: No moons and.
1: Yeah, actually, I mean. Reindeers every now and again. Yeah, you know, reindeers always get thrown there. They're in, especially summertime. Yeah. I mean, ideally, I'd like to get into like photoshopping some big moose antlers on Poppy. i do dude, you that like,
0: that actually would be really sick. <laughs> you should do like a silhouette shot of her, like uh, backlit, so it's just like a nice. Oh vibe. my gosh! because then it looks chill. It's like yeah. it won't look like, dude. That's I like really that cute. actually. That could actually be a really cool. That
1: could show. be a it could be a project for this weekend. We'll see. Yeah, yeah. my uh, my logo, on my website, uh, Megan made that she drew. It's Poppy with giant moose antlers. <laughs>
0: Let me pull the logo up real quick. I want to see the logo. Click hit the link. I gotta see the antler. I thought I saw it earlier. But that's sick, especially since she drew it. I gotta check it out because T is super artsy and she's always.
1: No, T is next level.
0: <laughs> that's tight, dude. <laughs> did she do it on the iPad?
1: Uh, yeah.
0: That's so sick.
1: I think she did it on paper first and then redid it on the iPad. Dude, I
0: love that. So, how do you how do you educate yourself when it comes to photography? Like, what what resources are you utilizing?
1: So, I guess when I first started, there wasn't like this massive bank of YouTube videos, uh, which is a good and bad thing, uh, because like there were a few like really trustworthy sources that you can go and read like really in depth articles about. They took a lot longer to get through to learn how to do something. Um, mean, because I I went through and learned how to do all the trends as they were happening. Like HDR, how do you do HDR? (laughs) And then like, you know, in that process of learning all those little things, like, oh, how do these people do this thing? You kind of just like pick up skills that are actually really valuable to know, uh, especially when it comes to Photoshop stuff. Because I'm always kind of like, oh, how do you, you know, like focus ramp in Photoshop? And I almost never do it. But because I did that, I now know how to mask things out better than I would have otherwise. And so... Um, I just did a lot of articles, and now, when I'm doing, you know, trying to fig- figure out how somebody did something, I remember I did this, a uh, bunch of, like, the cinemagraphs, right. I was like, oh, those are so cool, how are people doing those? So I, like, looked up how you did it, I never even ended up doing one, I, like, watched all these videos, and the problem with YouTube videos is, like, they're so accessible, that, like, you have to be careful about whether or not the information's good, because <laughs> some so of them true. are really kind of dubious, in the road they're leading down, and, like, You'll get like two minutes in and you're like, Oh, this this is bad information. They shouldn't be saying that. Yeah.
0: I love that. You, it's YouTube is like the greatest thing on the planet because yep. everything is accessible. You can learn anything. Like I'm talking oh, build a, a house. As a like, new as like, a new like, homeowner, like, <laughs> I'm
1: living on YouTube right now. Just did some reflooring. <laughs> Got a vanity in the bathroom. It's the greatest. All compliments to YouTube, yeah. Wife's
0: like, Babe, it's broke like no problem. Give me a sec.
1: Yep. And you go and act like you already knew <laughs> it. You're like,
0: so. Well, the thing is, this is <laughs> my girlfriend's like, shut up. You're just watching YouTube. <laughs> <laughs> but dude, it's it's really it's really awesome. But at the same time, like you said, it can take some. Like, there's been times where I've just left YouTube and I'm just I'm gonna go buy a course on this. Yeah. Because I can't. I've watched so much just bad stuff. That yeah. My. Like, Time is money. I don't have time to keep exactly trying to find. Like, let me just go. I know this guy does it well. I sure. I'm dropping the 40, 50 bucks, sixty bucks to get this tutorial, and I'm just going.
1: Actually, you know what? When I was first learning, I, I know they still do stuff. They're probably not as, I don't know how prevalent they are now, but um, Creative
0: Life, Creative Life, yeah, yeah. yeah still I'm, so it? Chase Jarvis, they're all still. the
1: thing. Special. Yeah, the thing with them is, is, like, if you just check their schedule and see something that's coming up, it's good. You can watch it free right. when they live. do it live. Yeah. And so, as long as you just schedule around it a little bit, like, you can learn outstanding curated information. I mean, Chris Bercard did a creative live course. So you could, you know, at the time, watch for free. Right. So, I mean, there's really outstanding content, you know, as long as you just be a little bit careful with who's coming from.
0: Absolutely. And there's a lot of photographers like Michael Shane Bloom, who was just on the podcast sure. last yeah. week. You know, guys like him, time-lapse, just slays. And yeah. And just awesome photographer that just create their own Tutorials and they sell them on their site, you know, a lot of times people don't, I don't think make it to photographers' websites, but you guys should definitely, if you guys are looking for education and looking for various tools and resources, a lot of times your favorite photographers have their uh, tips and tricks and sometimes their secrets yeah. Available if you want to learn, you know.
1: Well, and it is funny too because there's so many times where you have a specific thing, like how did that guy do that thing? You check their website. Sometimes they're just flat out telling you for ten bucks or whatever.
0: Yeah. like, hey, <laughs> go you know, ahead. All you Instagrammers seem to like this thing. If you yeah. want it, you know, it's right here. Let's talk about in the field. So, how do you approach a photograph?
1: Okay, I'll I'll give you two thoughts. Um, if I'm just traveling and i don't have like a end i don't have a product i need to produce like i'm just creating because i want to create and i'm out like hiking or something like that i really especially if it's an out and back trail i always hike the trail and i pretty much don't bring my camera out and i'm just looking around and just thinking Mm. and then like you get to the end point which is usually the point you're trying to get to anyway right and get those photos but then like I have that whole trails worth of information that I'm thinking about and mostly what I'm thinking about um, this was something that I came away from when I did my uh, uh, workshop I did was uh, there's a photographer I've heard reference a few times but he really is a legend as uh, the handle B Jammin um, he was a um, he was a painter before he got into being a photographer and he was explaining his process and he carries around these little notebooks of paper everywhere he goes with just a little golf pencil. And he just draws the shapes, draws the shapes. And just like before he even brings out his camera, he's used 15 pages of flipping through and just drawing the shapes of what he's seeing. And it's not like, you're not doing this in-depth sketch of what the scene is. You're just arranging the shapes for how you want them. And I'm not that meticulous. I, I don't certainly think on that high of a level of like what shapes are the perfect arrangement, but it's constantly in my head of like, what are the shapes doing? Where are the lines going? Where do I want to have you dance around? Mostly I, I really, in my landscape compositions, want to have you kind of go on a big journey with the lines. I don't want to just go in one place and end. I, I, I want the lines to kind of dance around. So it's something I'm kind of always thinking about.
0: Dude, I love that. I, I really, I really do. I'm, now I'm curious, do you have like a favorite image or an image that, for whatever reason just really resonates with you on your instagram feed
1: uh, i have my my favorite photo i've taken just because the story
0: uh uh-huh.
1: and then yeah i probably have a so this is my favorite story one uh oh
0: yes okay so
1: that's one exposure 20 seconds and that was a fourth of july camping in the garbage wilderness in northern nevada and a friend of mine and I were off. We were shooting stuff for Travel Nevada, um, and like he was like, "Oh, we're out there. Like, is there like a shot like you want to like try to pull off while we're out here?" And I was like, "You know what? I've got this. Like, I brought all these mortars with me because like it was Fourth of July and we were in like firework legal area. So I was like, I'd love to get like the Milky Way lined up with like a single full tail mortar shot." Yeah. Right. And so we tried it the first night, but there was like too much moon and we couldn't get enough stars. So it was like, as we finally kind of got the shot lined up, like the sun came up <laughs> and we were like, damn it. Uh, the second night, we just didn't even have a campsite we could make it work with. And then the third night, um, we did like, I think this took us 13 tries because like, oh. I couldn't, I couldn't get, I mean, that thing's like 150 feet in the air. I couldn't get far enough back. And even at 24 millimeters, so I kept going farther and farther and farther back, and I was like, it's like I was worried the exposure was gonna be messed up because how bright the firework was, and it's like it ended up working out perfect. I was like Dude, that's so sick.
0: I love that uh I love the backstory. I love this is one of them special shots, man. You see this thing lines up right with the Milky Way. Mm-hmm. I'm sure you got tons of play with this one. <laughs> Composition, let's see that.
1: So this was one where I'm shooting in pitch black. So I had so no, is, I had no idea what my composition was until I'd already like tried four times or something. Right. And the big challenge first was just getting far enough back to get the whole firework in there. Right. And then uh, B, yeah, uh, like I had to pump the ISO to just ungodly levels so I could see where the Milky Way was kind of gonna line up so I could kind of get them going. Uh, but I mean, beyond that, there wasn't a ton going compositionally here just because it was. Like not a ton of foreground, and it's just the Milky Way, but no, worked it's, out. It's
0: rad. Um, <laughs> I'd love to see I, more or less what I was saying. I sure, mess. I should have been more clear. I wanted to see you. Yeah,
1: yeah. Movie. No, I know. Okay, this was so compositionally. This was one. There I we really go. Liked.
0: This is Alice Lake. Um, okay, walk me through the the mad scientist's mind when you were shooting this and what you were what you're trying to recreate here.
1: Sure. So um, the uh, so this night I was actually with, um, Scott Crans, if you know who he was, mm-hmm. helped me with the visit Idaho project. And he kind of already had Is something that, that like
0: Idaho
1: thing? maybe, I'm not sure. He's come back and he's done, he's, he's come me. back and he's done other stuff with them. I know. Okay. So, but anyway, he had a shot that he'd kind of imagined over in this area. And so we'd kind of planned on coming back here on this night and I just left him and walked around the whole lake to kind of see what I could figure out. And uh, what I ended up just really liking about um, the composition with this was the the island that's just in the middle of the lake. Uh, it just kind of like, it was a good starting point for like your eye kind of goes there and then to me, like I just saw the trees kind of lift you up and then you end up looking at El Capitan and then it kind of like swoops you in with the stars and like, I don't know, I just kind of found it, it danced my eye around quite a bit and it was shot that I found compelling and it was lit in a way that I'll never get an opportunity to have again because uh, this is moonlighting. The moon had just come down. So it's just this beam of moonlight that was still dark enough to get a perfect Milky Way into, but bright enough to where you could just see El Capitan like it was daylight. And then the only thing was that at that point I just wasn't that great at Photoshop. So I didn't focus ramp. So actually the foreground's a little bit out of focus. <laughs> Dude,
0: that's sick. So this thing is called El Capitan? hmm That's so wild. In the Sawtooth Wilderness.
1: Yep. I didn't
0: know that was the name of that guy. Do you know the name of all the other peaks?
1: No, no, just... just they all, all
0: names, right? Yeah,
1: yeah, I mean, I know the ones that you can see from, like, Stanley Lake and Redfish Lake and, and um, El Capitan. I'm, I'm still, I've got a lifetime of exploring to do out there still.
0: Dude, I love it. I'd like to get into the business aspect a little bit. One thing that I know you've yep. done really well is, is working with tourism boards. Mm-hmm and i think that's most like photographers dreams like they get on instagram yep. they start taking photos they start hashtagging they start traveling now they've caught the itch they caught the bug they got a following people like what they shoot and they want to work with tourism boards they want to travel they want to yeah. get paid they want to create great content, and everyone wants to do it through tourism boards so what's that experience been like for you and uh Talk us through some of the, you know, the hardships, how yeah, you, you got in, you Sure, know, and how it all went down.
1: So, um, yeah, we'll say, I, I think you hit on something beautiful there, is that I think in this kind of realm of photography, I mean, the question you get asked all the time is, how do you get paid to take photos while traveling, right? Right. And there's three questions in there. I mean, there's how do you get paid to take photos, how do you get paid to travel, and then how do you, you know, bring those two things together My favorite way to do that is definitely working for tourism boards. I I just think they're the most representative of you actually go and experience something the way you want to experience and then you capture that process as opposed to doing it through product work or some of the other ways that I could get into as to how you could get paid to do the same thing. Um, The way I got into it was by listening to your Art of Visual podcast with Andrea and she just said flat out if you are interested in working for a tourism board, send an email with basically this information and what your, what your pitch is and what you'd like to produce for us and why you're good at doing that. Give us a portfolio. And then, you know, that's ultimately going to, how you're going to start working in this industry. Right. And like, I just, I didn't overthink it. I just did exactly what she said and she responded immediately and they had a few projects and then I did well with those projects. And then they gave me a few more projects and then it turned into, you know, increasing the scale to where, like, it was actually, like, you know, larger contract and, like, bigger scope projects where, I mean, I had one where I actually got paid to go drive around and shoot all the scenic byways of Idaho. And so, like, it really is a... The, the, these, the information you get in these podcasts is absolutely true. These people are telling you exactly what you should be doing. And what you should be doing is... You know, when, when, exactly. Yeah. You should be listening to podcasts, (laughs) but also if somebody tells you like, this is the kind of thing we're looking for, for content and for creators, just do that. Don't, you know, try to, don't try to insta message them. Don't try to go and be creative and do something different. You know, go through the process that they're asking for. This
0: is the system.
1: Yeah. And so, I mean, the big thing that she brought up that I was unaware of previously is that, you know, all the major tourism boards have a social media specialist. (laughs) Figure out who that person is and contact them directly, and that'll be your best in possible. And that's what Andrea is for Visit Idaho, and and she's wonderful. If you're uh, uh, feeling like you're really ready to dive into tourism photography in Idaho, reach out to Andrea. She's great.
0: Right. Yeah. And so I love I love that you share that insight. I'm really stoked that you got value out of that podcast. It was a good episode. I will be sure to link to the episode for you guys so that you guys can check it out. Anyone that's looking forward to working with any tourism boards, that information is definitely available still. Mm -hmm. Outside of that, what are some other tips, I guess, you have on the business side? So now that we're on the, the commerce side of art, you know, we're at that intersection, what are some other business tips that you would give to anyone that's like really trying to make some money with sure. this camera in their hand. They don't have a job. They yep. spend a ton of money on gear. And they're like, really I've been there. I've been out. exactly <laughs> there.
1: So this will be hot take number two. <laughs> I, I see all the time uh, creators, and I totally understand why, say know your worth, you know, don't ever take free work. And they're right. You should definitely know your worth. Sometimes your are worth work-free. <laughs> Some if, When you're starting out, if you have no portfolio, you have no experience shooting, for me, the first company that ever reached out to me, I had under 1,000 followers. I still had a Canon Rebel I was shooting on, and my photos weren't very good. And they were offering me products that were worth, <laughs> like, you know, 50 bucks or something in exchange for a shot. That was probably more than what my shot was worth at that time. And by doing that, I got the practice of what's not necessarily important is like how good your actual photos are but like the going through the process of here's this thing i need to come up with an idea and i need to make that a real thing and i need to make it something that they're asking for you know from a monetary standpoint and it's a bit of pressure when you take on your first couple contracts and i think if you're really really just getting started it's not the worst thing to find a brand that you you trust and you think actually could be a long term thing if somebody you can kind of tell how authentic some of the the ways companies will reach out to you are. If a company is really like a, you know, seems like they're pretty legit in what they're offering for you, like I think it's important to start building up some some practice. Where that goes ultimately, though, is uh, you you do actually need to start building out what your price sheet is for different projects. When I was doing full time freelances and that was it. I mean, I was shooting everything from, from products for social media, products for websites to, you know, travel blogs, to blogs for products, to, uh, I was shooting couples, people's dogs. I I just like, you know, reach out to me, I'll shoot anything, but I I have my prices and I had my price sheet ready. And so it wasn't this thing I had made up. I could just, you know, send people like, this is what my cost structure is. And, you know, you kind of take it or leave it. And the contracts that I ended up making the most money off of were usually the ones that I said no to the people for on the front end, because usually if they really want to work with you and they're going to say, you know, oh, we only have this budget. And then you say, no, a lot of times they come back. <laughs> and so, you know, I think it's a process and I think, uh, um, the best resource for figuring out what that price structure is and figuring out how you grow those business relationships is other photographers. I, yep. I, I am, constantly floored by how open photographers are if you can actually, you know, sit down and talk with them about like, Hey, how did you deal with this situation? Cause you've probably run into it. Um, And so uh, I think, you know, just being honest and reaching out to the people, you know, is really a good way to go.
0: I couldn't agree more. There's great Facebook groups that I know you're aware of that, you know, they have these types of individuals in these groups. And uh, so if you guys, are on the interwebs, I'd try to find some of these groups, get them into some of these groups because they are loads. They're just full of information, tons of resources, um, and who better, like Sam said, to communicate with than your fellow photographers.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: You know what I just realized, dude? So you were talking about free work, and I think free work's amazing, but I think you have to understand how to capitalize on the value of free, yep. like how to get value out of free work. A lot of people do free work for brands, and brands are like cool, thanks, and they're like cool. That was great, and they take it as oh, that was just a learning experience for me. Yeah. Why not kill it? So, send something to the brand and say, hey, I'm game to do this free, and I'm yeah. gonna get, I'm gonna put my best foot forward. And when this thing is done, I want a testimonial from you. Like here, here's my sheet. All I ask is to fill this out. Yeah. Give me a recommendation. If you did like it, talk about it. Blah blah blah. Bro, yeah. imagine how much awesome free work you could get with actually like well-recognized brands, get a letter of recommendation basically, use that to build your portfolio with testimonials and case studies from marketing directors and people saying they loved your work, they enjoyed working with you, and then reaching out to smaller brands and starting your business. Hey, I've worked with the big boys, I'd love to work with you. Hey, yeah, we'd like to pay you X. And that in my eyes is a scientific way of thinking and and creating a system that allows you to, to grow forward versus so many people I think do the free work And because of the way they view the free work, they don't actually benefit – they don't gain anything except a little bit of experience because they didn't actually like look at ways to capitalize off of the free work. Like everything can help you catapult your career in business if you're looking for those opportunities.
1: In in any other field, that's called an internship. I mean you have to do it no matter what route you're going. You have to get underpaid for some period of time to show your worth. (laughs) If you never get past the point where you're underpaid, it's probably because you were doing the work at the uh, yeah. you know cost level of the underpaid value. Year one is like stack where, your
0: LinkedIn where right?
1: exactly yes. like I I mean so I I did my first yeah unpaid gig um, and I like they were a subscription service that you know worked with other brands. And, uh, one of the products that I shot with this was this like just released, uh, you know, not even on the market jacket for a big, big company. Mm -hmm. And I did an awesome job for that shot. That shot's actually my profile picture. So I think, (laughs) (laughs) um, did an awesome job for that. And that company ended up buying the social media rights for that photo. So even though the original contract was free, I ended up making good money off of it because it got rebought for another use. And, you that's know, sick. I really do. I, I, I glossed over the free work thing. That's the key is not just like do it to build up your resume. Do it to learn how to, like, do so far beyond the value of what they were ever expecting. Right. And then, you know, that's how you turn that internship into a job.
0: Let me ask you this. Have you ever collaborated on a job, like on a paid work with other creators, or have you pretty much done everything
1: solo? Um, I guess, yeah, it's almost come together a few times, but it really never has fully. I guess it's kind of always been me, but it never feels like it's just me, because I always drag Megan and Poppy along. <laughs> so, like, like, Megan's always, like, Instrumental towards bouncing my ideas off of to give a little bit of a backstory with Megan and I've been together for twelve years. We met freshman year of college, and like we can really balance each other's thinking process out processes out well. She's actually a great deal more artistic in her thought process than I am, Mm -hmm. so I I couldn't do half of especially the tourism or product shots that we come up with. Without her input, and then also forcing her to be in front of the camera after I get her input.
0: So, see, that's so cool, I mean, you guys really, like, technically, just even within your relationship, you have a team. Yes. You know, you have your separate hats.
1: Yep. Uh,
0: she has the value that she brings to the table, you have the value you bring to the table, and together, you guys just kill it. And that's yep. awesome. And I think that's more or less is where I was headed was, you know, I sit down with so many of these photographers, and what I don't understand is why they're so solo they're so independent sure and uh i don't think there's anything wrong with you know a man or a gal paying yeah. their way on their own but it's just like hey you know it's a lot easier when you just like team sure. up like, yeah create a collective create the northwest collective the boise collective i don't you and four buddies you and four like, whatever yeah. diverse we got it all we got five different colors of people every sex I have and, so much and we yeah. slay photo video for the you know Travel industry or whatever it may be, and like there's so much more power when you have, you know, five influencers together. Even though I hate using that term, but we're just just (laughs) just to not start creating new terms, and everyone understands what I'm talking about. But you know, when you have five influencers together from a specific area, dude, I'm a lot more excited as a brand to work with this group, yeah, and and have access to all you guys than just the one person.
1: Yes. You know,
0: and you guys have a lot more firepower as far as negotiating, sure. costs, all those things.
1: Well, and I, I mean, I think one thing that helps us is that, you know, especially as product shoots, like we do, it's, it goes just back into my photo style in general. Like it tends to be a pretty authentic depiction of how we would be using that sort of thing mm-hmm. because it's just the two of us going out and hanging out outside, which we're doing anyway. But I will say, I have been trying for so long to try to get like a Boise like little collective going. Every time I see a photographer in Boise, I, I'm into. I'm like, oh, let's hang out. You know, like I have no shame. I'm in those DMs immediately. Yeah, <laughs> I love it. I'm always
0: curious. because I'm like, why compete? Like, you know, like video yes. guys do the same thing. So you guys are all competing for. You guys are all undercutting each other on prices, sure. and I'm like, dude, just come. Like, there's power in numbers. There really well, is. You guys us. can do more business. Like, yeah, you might make less per job. But guess what, you can get a lot more jobs, you get bigger jobs, yeah. and it will definitely work out well,
1: especially more. in the travel game, I mean, you just going by yourself, you just burn yourself out, it's I mean, if you're work. if you're by yourself, I, I can't even tell you how many people I know that I've housed when they're on their way through Boise, connecting you know, bend to uh, you know, Utah or something and they're trying to stop over and shoot some stuff in Idaho, and they've just been going for three months living out of their car, and it's like It's the dream, but it's also, if you're just doing it by yourself all the time, you kill yourself because, like, you're just going through this checklist of, I got to go here, I got to get this shot, I got to go here, I got to get this shot, and, like, I think you really kind of just lose your love for it unless you really, really, really are dedicated to the nomadic lifestyle.
0: Right. Speaking of nomadic lifestyle, you were on the road by yourself for quite a while. Yeah. Weren't you? Yes. What was that like? Give me the highs, but also share with us the lows as well.
1: Okay. Um... So uh, I've done it both as a photographer and also in a working capacity. <laughs> so I, I will say, um uh from the photographer standpoint, I I guess the one thing that helps buffer it for me a little bit, um, as far as the lows of being by yourself on the road all the time is A, I always have Poppy with me. And that actually helps ground me more than I could really communicate. But B, I'm you know, I I'm 31. I'm I'm a little bit older than a lot of the guys doing the nomadic lifestyle thing. So I just kind of know people in a lot of the cities. So I kind of can hunker down in places for a little while and not be by myself all the time. Mm -hmm. But I mean, I think the highs of when you really commit to solitude are that, especially if you get out and away from being on your phone the whole time, like you're really kind of, like are forced to confront your own value system i mean whether that be from a lifestyle standpoint or just be from an artistic standpoint you you can't really kind of turn and be like oh what do you think is this going to be a cool shot right like like you gotta kind of like take your time be in your own brain and and you know make decisions for yourself in a way that i think you kind of learn a little bit about what you're more drawn to um and then i i think the lows are that You know, you really you can kind of feel like you're just going through what the Instagram expectation of your life is, and that you're supposed to be like, I don't want to have a home, I don't want to live in one place. I'm (laughs) shedding all my possessions, and you kind of take a step back and you're like, I mean, some of those things are kind of nice.
0: (laughs) Is it like an awkward like tug and pull? It's like
1: yeah, it's
0: like I kind of like the idea of that but at the same time I'm like I actually really like the way I live and yeah. I don't like yeah it's dreamy and it sounds cool and I enjoy doing it sometimes when I get a chance yeah but as far as taking that leap of full-time this yeah. is my lifestyle all the time yeah uh after living it you realize it's, oh yeah it's, no I it's...
1: I know I'm not a personal candidate for the full-time van life <laughs> that's that's not me I, I like having a home base and i find it comforting to you know especially have a place like boise where it's like i get home and i like i love being there uh always waiting for me to where it's like a you know it's like a light at the end of the tunnel it's like no matter nor where i am on the road uh if i'm in like you know 130 degree heat through death valley on the way back so i'm like, right. like i'm gonna get home and i'm gonna love being home when i get there you know
0: dude there's nothing like yeah Coming home, especially when you have a beautiful woman at home, beautiful yep. dog yep. waiting for you. You've been out yep. on the road for who knows home's, how long. Home's not so bad. There's nothing. It's like you can't wait to get home. You yep. know. Uh, and I don't think there's anything wrong with with not traveling. You no. Know? Like I'm. I think it's this weird thing for photographers. They have this. This. Like you said, they feel like they need to have a van and just be on the road. And I'm mm-hmm. the opposite. I don't actually like traveling. People are always like we had not actually – Like we. Yeah. I'm like, dude. To be honest, I avoid it. I pass trips off to other, you know, members on the team. Yep. I turn a lot of stuff just down.
1: Yeah, I'll I try. really
0: like. I like my home. I like my city. I like my friends yep. here. I like, and I. To be honest, I really enjoy road trips. If I do travel, I like just hopping in and you know, in the car and the van and yeah. with the boys, and we sprint out for a few days. Yep. And then I don't want to be out on the road too long because guess what? I sound big and bad day one. I'm like, yeah, the boys day two I'm like day three I'm like dude I miss my cat I miss my my you know I miss my girl I miss my dog (laughs) I miss you know I really miss my loved ones a lot and you know five days I'm like all right let's go how are we done boys it's cool head home and so I don't think there's anything wrong with you know being a homebody or enjoying your even just traveling your local country like so many people are so gun ho, they feel inferior right like let's talk about travel fiority. like People feeling inferior with travel because it kills me their friends guess, have been yeah. to 24 countries and, and they're freaking out. Like their life is meaningless because they haven't seen the world and yep. it's like, hey, it's okay. Like
1: what's your take on that? Oh, I get that so bad. Um, but at the same time, <laughs> I – so uh, You've been Megan princess. and I Megan and I traveled internationally quite a bit when we were in grad school and we were younger and we had, I don't think the last – I think the last time we left was we went to Europe in 2012. And so it's been six years since we've gone to international. And the reason why that is, is because we kind of realized we were in Washington and we hadn't explored a lot of Washington at the time. And so we started getting into backpacking and we started going out to the Olympic Peninsula and we're like, oh gosh, like only gone like three places in the Olympic Peninsula. There's many we want to do. Then we got Poppy and Poppy wasn't allowed in the Olympic Peninsula in most places, national parks. And Then we started going to the Cascades. You're like, oh, my gosh, the Cascades are even better. There's so much we want to see. And then like, so it's just like that was our free time. It's like we're just hitting the trail, seeing all the new trails we hadn't seen right in our own backyard first. And then we moved down to Boise and it's like. I mean, idahos i i not even beginning to scratch the surface. It's insane. Yeah. And then on top of it, Boise's well positioned because it's not that far to get to Oregon, not that far to get to Nevada, not that far to get to Utah, Wyoming, Montana. So it's like you're so well connected to all these other places that are like I haven't really explored a ton in. And so, um, I—I just—I hadn't had the international travel bug in forever. But um, yeah, I'm not gonna lie. Definitely, like I've got some like rewards points banking up and i've been like starting to look and i'm just like it's that like uh hypothetical question like, oh you could go into the world anywhere in the world where do you want to go when it's a reality it's so hard to answer that question (laughs) there's
0: so many places (laughs) it's funny about that about idaho i think idaho is like the road it's definitely the road trip state like we're so perfect now so they're going on yeah it's a pain in the ass if you want to fly out of here (laughs) you can go somewhere right sure but road tripping i mean northwest south like you have every, like we are the it's nucleus of, of yeah. di- as far as a photographer goes yeah. you have all that diversity you could ever need yep just by all the surrounding states
1: oh yeah which is so safe it's really cool and so i mean like even yeah I, again even south bush people kind of you know don't think of because uh, it's just like oh it's just nevada right uh, one of the most beautiful trips I've done from Boise was a three day road trip just on these ridiculous dirt roads or these mount- massive mountain passes in the garbage wilderness. And it's just like two hours south of here. And yeah, it was just stunningly beautiful. Dude,
0: I love that. Um, especially when you discover places like that, that no one else, it's like, yeah. you have the place, you're like, dude, I have this parked myself. Yes. There's not even a soul out here. <laughs> Which is, you know, has been the story a lot of times in these places around here. I want to move on out of a, a few specific questions that yeah. I had for you. Being on social media, posting images, going to various places, I'm sh- like, you piss people off. Like it just, what happens? Like you share, sometimes you share a photo and didn't know that you couldn't walk in that corner of the park and had no idea. And so there's like that sure. person that's yeah. like, you, and you're like, yo, I'm sorry. Yeah. I had, I didn't know. How do you deal with haters? Whether it be the national park queen or the, you know, just a straight internet troll.
1: Sure. Um, Honestly, this happened just a couple times with me. It hasn't been too bad. I've been fortunate. Um, And it's not because I'm more careful because I actually just saw a post the other day of uh, an account who like goes jeeping a bunch in Utah and they always get attacked because people think that they're jeeping in illegal places and they're like, no, we're actually like like leave no trace counselors. Like that's so we we know what we're doing and we're being really careful. Right. right. And I get like the personal offense. Um, I'm going to, I will say I actually, if the concern is that like people are being too worried about leave no trace, I think that's an okay way to go. I think, I think people you. can, I, I understand that sometimes the harassment gets over the line well, I think and that's just, that's just social media harassment being over the line, regardless of what the topic is. Um, when I've gotten it, it was specifically because I thought that there was a hot spring in this place and there were people soaking and I posted a picture of I was like, Oh, I wish I would have brought my suit or whatever. Right. And people were like, you cannot soak there. That's illegal. I was mm-hmm. like, Whoa, my bad. And I just, I t- deleted it immediately. And I said, thank you for letting me know because they were right. I should not have posted it as if you could have been soaking there.
0: Right.
1: And so I try to take it, you know, try to start by hearing what they're saying. And yeah. is it a real concern? Because when you travel a lot, there are a lot of local specific laws or rules that I might not be aware of, even mm-hmm. if I am like already very leave no trace considerate. And that being said, also, I think it would be good if if accounts that were promoting specifically outdoor lifestyles like ours. Were a little more forthcoming about promoting the seven principles of Leave No Trace and being right. really open and honest about what those are. So, uh, or at least how they're adhering to them. So, like, whenever I post a hot spring photo, I try to have a, uh, and people don't read the captions, so it doesn't it doesn't help. But, <laughs> but at least making an effort to be like, this is a way that I'm trying to take Leave No Trace consciously into like my outdoor recreating. Right, so
0: I wasn't necessarily trying to even t- talk about. Leaving no, places. I know you're I talking was, about trolls. I was more or less just like social media, like everyone. Sure, to, and you got twenty-something thousand followers on social media, and like people have large. I mean, basically, you have a thousand plus followers. You have you have probably had an experience with just like a person that's just, like, said a hurtful thing. Yeah. So that's more or less what I was talking about. Yeah. But I did bring up the environmental queen, which I, I didn't mean it that way. Oh, I
1: didn't take offense. No, uh, it's a real thing. But... A, no, but, I, I forgot a lot of incredibly LNT-conscious people that have just been hammered by Well, people. I've been
0: hammered. Yeah. And for very wrong things, and people like, oh, my didn't,
1: yes. didn't know you guys had a permit to drone there. Yeah, sure. Because you're not allowed to drone yeah, the there. Drone like, oh, you're sensor. not allowed to drone sure. there, but we had
0: a permit yes. to drone there, so we can drone there, and it's yeah. okay. But... I get it, but more or less it's it's tough because it's like that give take and most people attack rather than just ask a question, they sure. attack.
1: Oh I yeah, I've been on I, I was on a, a group where you know where we were helping each other out for a while and um, somebody in the group did it to another person in the group and it was just totally unconstituted and yeah, okay. it can be it can like, be nasty really fast. And not even not even from you know, it can be yeah, from other influencers, and, yeah. and so, or even sometimes it often is, is people almost trying to you know make a name for being you know the the environmental police, and you know mm-hmm. I get it, but at the same time, uh, I think it's just social media communication in general. Once it's <laughs> once it's anonymous, right, and you're never going to see that person, it's just a lot easier to just go straight to a hundred with the attacks. Right, um, and I just, I, I guess I just say for people to put people
0: down, right? Yeah, and to. Yes. go ahead.
1: And I, 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 it's so so much easier to say this than have it be a practice because, sure, I mean that sort of stuff's like gotten to me before. But the first thing I always try to do is if it's like trying to correct me for something I did wrong, mm-hmm. I try to listen to it, mm-hmm. just start there and be like, wait, did I actually mess up here? Is there something I could have done better? Right. If I genuinely don't think so, and I genuinely think they're just being mean, I usually just don't, you know, just right. let it go.
0: Right.
1: I think in general, I it. Like you do, kind of see enough of it where you just kind of like you you recognize the trolling for when it's actually just trolling, and it's important to realize that there's no substance there. If it's hitting on something that you're actually sensitive about, I think it's actually not the worst thing to maybe implore, like, why am I sensitive about this? Like, mm-hmm.
0: I'm curious, what is your big dream or what is your big vision for life? Like, I'm talking the thousand foot vision, not tomorrow, not your goal for this year. The big boy.
1: Okay. Um, if you have it. Yeah, I mean, I think I might be one of those people that want to draw a don't No, I, I don't know. I, don't a, you. I, I, like, my whole goal in life is always just to be, like, good enough where I'm happy. Like, get to where, like, I've built my life in a way that I've removed the constraints that would prevent me from being happy and then just live a life that makes me happy. That's as far as I really plan it out. I have my interests and I have, like, you know, some career ambitions, but for the most part, like, I, I'm pretty simple with whatever, like, ultimately, like, I think I'm building for balleys.
0: Mm-hmm. Let me ask you this. Do you think it's harder to, I shouldn't even say, because I guess, the hell does it matter? Like, if you don't want to, if you don't have someone you're trying to go to, then... Necessarily have somewhere to go, right? Like, there's nothing wrong with just, yeah, I'm just in the the present world and that's it. And I actually enjoy living my life day by day and just seeing where it takes me. But if you are somewhat ambitious or you do, you know, want a certain lifestyle, whatever it is, I think it's important to have an idea of what that looks like and what vehicles are available to allow you to get there. Sure.
1: Yeah. Yeah, and I think ultimately, like, from my photography business side of things, like, I do have at least the thought that I'd like to get to where there's enough name recognition to where I can work with companies that I think, like, you know, I can do your, you know, 10-day New Zealand trip with or, you know, start to, you know, get to where I'm not negotiating every little tiny thing, you know, for... Uh, you know, contract by contract, but more where like I can kind of pitch something and and you know really kind of marry the the work life photography life balance on my terms rather than on other you know companies terms. But mm-hmm. I don't totally know what that looks like I guess. Gotcha. Okay.
0: So that is somewhat of a dream big dream then. is like yeah. more or less being able to do what you do now at a grander scale where it flows more simply because of the hard yeah. work that you put in over the years. It's like, hey I got a brand yeah. now. I have a name. People understand what I do. Yeah. What I excel at, and they want me there. I mean, and
1: therefore, it just ensures. Sure, and so that's the thing. It's like, like I, it's more fun. I've been exceedingly fortunate to where like I, I have more work than I can take constantly, right. but like it's all kind of stuff where like I have to schedule around it. It's always kind of you know, you know, take a day off work here to go get this project done, and it's always like never really like syncs up well, and like I just. Like, again get a nice place where, like, it's all kind of on my terms and I can schedule things out so they line up in a way that I have more control over, I guess. Gotcha. Love that. I'm curious. You've
0: traveled a decent amount.
1: Yeah. You've been
0: all over the country. Do you feel like certain areas or geographic locations, like the photographers and the careers in that area kind of have a certain style? Oh, yeah. Like, is there a North, like a <laughs> style versus sure. like the New York? Photographer yeah. versus Southwest Louisiana, <laughs> you know? Sure.
1: Yeah, definitely. Uh was, I didn't even realize like it was a style thing when I was like, you know, following people all from Seattle mostly because I just moved here and I was pining through Seattle and I was like it's like, oh, this is just like, you know, how everybody shoots now. <laughs> so I wasn't following anybody from California, anything else and then, you know, I kind of run into photographers from all over and they're like, Oh, okay, actually like it doesn't all have to be like incredibly shadowy movie. moody. <laughs> yeah.
0: It's so interesting. I just, it's almost like you are a reflection of your surroundings. Sure. You know, because you live in the Northwest or wherever you live. Yeah. You just kind of end up
1: doing these things, which to me is just, yeah. I just
0: find it very fascinating.
1: Yeah, well, I think, and I think that's why people who break that mold stand out so much, you know, whenever you see somebody going to the Pacific Northwest and, and shooting in a totally different way, you're like, oh, whoa, that's way, you know, that's way different. And a buddy of mine who I met, met when he came through Idaho about a year and a half ago, and at that point he'd been shooting for like four months, and like was like not like super confident in like explaining, you know, calling himself a photographer still, and his name's Nathaniel Weiss, and he's like, blowing up right now and just yeah. beautiful work and yeah, he moved from I'm trying to remember he moved from the south somewhere to to Seattle and so yeah just shooting in a totally different way and like people just grabbed onto it instantly and now I notice like people are kind of trying to mimic his style a little bit. That's sick.
0: Let me ask you this so you have all these 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 people that live in these stunning places. Washington one of those states. Mm-hmm. live in Washington I mean there's certain places where it's like it's hard to point your camera in a direction and take a bad photo, it's just like, it's stuff, it's not, most people get amazing stuff if they come to these places. What do you think, do you think people that live in like smaller cities that don't have tons of beautiful wildlife
1: and nature and architecture, do you think they're at a a disadvantage? I mean, I think it certainly depends on what they're shooting. I don't want to say anything because I don't want to offend people from different places, but there are, there are photographers I know kind of near my hometown that, like, you know, I've run into and met a couple of times that are like outstanding portrait photographers that don't live in the most beautiful places. And it's like, you don't need to be, you know, in a beautiful place to be really good at portraits or food or, you know, other venues. But if you're really trying to do, you know, landscape, you got to certainly want more travel, <laughs> more to, to do it. I mean, even, like, to some degree, like, you know, Boise. I'm generally driving a little bit farther than I used to when I'm like going outside to shoot, but there's just a lot more options within that like three-hour range than there right. used to be. So yeah, I don't know if I if I hit that well. <laughs> yeah.
0: You know, I think I find it
1: interesting.
0: I think that people from very let's let's just say non photogenic locations. Yeah. I think those people that can excel in those harsh environments end up being phenomenal photographers. They get to a place where there is beauty everywhere, and, you know, I've seen, I mean, more or less, I've seen guys that can make prairies and just flat land, just these really bland, like, if you can excel in those places, I mean, you can practically do anything. So I think a lot of those people, I think they, they look at it as a disadvantage, but... The yeah, guys that do say, hey, I'm going to, I don't care that I don't have anything to shoot around me. I am going to, like, I'm going to make magic happen with like, the little that I have yeah. in the city. I'm going
1: gonna, gonna, gonna to show sides of this city that
0: people have never seen
1: before. Uh, I'll say I do think, like, where you can get stuck is there's less variety in mm-hmm. that 3 to type stuff. I think there's, uh, from an artistic standpoint, tons of beauty in the game. I think people who shoot really simple things and have a really simple message behind that but do it beautifully, I think it's really impactful, I think it's also really good for film, a lot of good film photographers kind of, you know, will do a really nice simple subject and just let that you know, film brain come through and just be like a almost raw emotion of this, you know, simple scene and I I always find that really effective, almost like if you're familiar with the painter Mark Rothko who paints basically in these lines of fading color and there's abstract modern art, but like like it doesn't sound like it's anything or technically difficult. You look at these paintings, they just like kick you in the chest because the the way they evoke this perfect simplicity. And I think there's certainly something to that. And I always kind of try my hand at it, uh, because I drive a between here <dear, no>. like, and <laughs> shooting things <shooting, laughs> simply or yeah. shooting film or you know, trying different things that are outside my usual style. Um, Whenever I'm going back to California, you take the 95 to Winnemucca and it's about three hours of nothing. Right. I pull over all the time in there to shoot the hills and shapes and try to make weird things happen, uh, like go in with a telephoto and try to compress things in a weird way. Like I think it's a like great way to stretch yourself creatively. I love that. I think it's, it's it goes back to the eye, like yeah. you with the
0: eye. you come from shooting busy landscapes, and all of a sudden you're in really simple places it might actually be difficult for you to shoot. Sure. You're, just, you're, you're just like, I don't really know how to pose yeah. a shot in this type of environment. I'm, yeah. not, I'm used to just so much happening, I don't. Yeah. Or then vice versa, you know, it might be too much, or it might work out. I guess it's all
1: subjective. Sure, sometimes it's when I'm like, in the cascades in Washington, it's too much, it's like, there's I, there's too many peaks, I don't know, I don't know where to. That's why it's so like, long you, And then when you go, yeah, that's what I was gonna say, it's like, because sometimes the, the urge is always to go wide and get as much of it as possible. Mm-hmm. And then you just look like nothing, and you're like, this is compositional, you did to do anything. It's just busy. Dude, it's actually funny you said wide because I, I had this
0: this realization uh, a few weeks back. I don't own like, a massive, like I want a long. <laughs> I don't yeah. own, but I, I just, wide is like, it gets boring. Yeah. You know, sometimes it's fun, but dude, when you can it. Four hundred meters, eight hundred meters, mm-hmm. and you're in the Sawtooth Mountains, and you can pick any single peak and just say portrait right here. Yeah. Oh, or I want to create this shot. Like you have right. so much to play with
1: versus like this. Is your options wide. Well, the like I, I think yeah. also when you're outside and you're shooting, you know, a lot of travel landscape or incorporating people in it, you've got to think about that compression. You've got to think: Do I want the person relative to to be really, really tiny? Or do I want them to look like they're standing right up against this huge peak, you know? And so, like, playing with those focal lengths to match that compression, I think, is what, always what I'm thinking about. Right, yeah, no,
0: I, uh, I love that compression. And I mean, that's, I think the term itself is, I like mean, compression wasn't a term. <laughs> so sure, definitely an Instagram, like, term. Sure. People were not talking about compression in 2011, 2012. <laughs> And so I'm always, I mean, I think more or less like it's just like that's what those vocal leg lenses do. Yeah. I think now it's just like a technical term for me. Like I don't really know, but we'll get to the bottom of this. Like, <laughs> this compression mystery at some point, because I am just curious to sure. like where like, that whole thing would But outside of that, uh, life step, man, like what do you, what do, you do to, to lead good life?
1: Okay, I'm somebody who has too many hobbies, so it's like a constant balance to figure out how to time them out well. Right now, I'm not doing a good job, so like, let me be very clear that I'm speaking from this ideal state that has been a while since I've been in <laughs> because right <laughs> now I, you know, we just bought a house and we're like I'm renovating and moving in, and like every day I'm, sh- I'm not sure it is going to work. Like, I don't. Like, I'm a little discombobulated, but when I'm living a, like, on-it lifestyle, I usually play pick-up basketball in the morning, and then, like, whether I'm working or I'm doing photo stuff, you know, do that in the morning when I'm fresh, and then, um, beyond that, like, like, it opens up to all of my other, like, I could be golfing, it could be in winter running into folks' basin, I could be going out to a show, like, I try to be doing stuff and not... I'm not too much of a poem body when I'm in Boise. <laughs> Dude, I love it. Are you Are you like a self development guy? Are you reading any books or anything? So, my readings tail off a little bit. I was a pretty fastidious reader uh, when I was younger. Um, but right now, it's like another thing is like I get a lot of shit from my friends. I only read nonfiction. <laughs> so, I just love real stories. Um, and so. Right now I'm reading a book called All the Wild That Remains. It's about a comparison of Edward Abbey and Wallace Stegner, who are the two really formative Western uh, public lands writers of their respective times. Wallace Stegner actually taught Ed Abbey at Stanford, and they budded heads. It, so it's kind of an interesting story about the two of them. So I'm into that sort of thing. All right.
0: I, uh, I, yeah, I do not think there's anything weird at all,
1: but <laughs> <from> the same <laughs> way.
0: Uh, except I did read Noise Mythology which was like my first. awesome <laughs> it's, it's so cool and interesting but historically I've just never been that interested sure uh, more or less like I'm like I'm a creative like, Yeah. I'm not getting I'm already creative so I don't need that and I'm not there's not much to learn but there totally is sure a it. it's just entertaining it's just yeah it's just like you know, sometimes I' feel like I sure life too serious with yeah. it needs to be real I need to, take <laughs> take away. I need to grow okay. Like, yeah. yeah. so that's good technique, but it's okay to just also just like read a book about some silly like thing that's totally fading oh sure and that's fun too oh yeah no oh no yeah <laughs> I,
1: I I do love nonfiction just so I gotta be in the right mood for it yeah I uh, think my favorite nonfiction was uh by World according to Gart or catch 22 one of those two both were just like, ridiculously in-depth with these complex characters while being like really funny and lighthearted and grotesque and sad all at the same time, and just that little story building is always really captivated me.
0: Right, and speaking of story, I want to talk about a really special story. So you have a dog that you love very much so, yep. and Instagram has allowed you to uh, really cultivate a really beautiful and loving, can knit community on your platform. On your specific channel, yep. I'd love for you to share the story of what recently you went through and how the Instagram community uh,
1: actually, you know, yeah, came to that and, and helped you out during the situation. Which pretty- yeah, so, um, our dog Poppy, as uh, she was turned five, and probably right around when she turned four, she slipped in the bath and she partially tore her ACL on her knee. She was, or the equivalent of a dog ACL, um, and she was. She was still holding her weight fine on it and like we actually could still like her backpack and stuff with her on it, but it was just she wouldn't be able to put weight on it the next day. It's really bothering her and so
0: Backstory real quick. For you those that don't know, Sam has no kids except Augie. <laughs> <Bobby> Augby <laughs> goes everywhere with it. Yeah. I've never not, when we walked into our office for this podcast, I was like, wait, my first question is Poppy? <laughs> like, now you don't even know if I said hello before I asked, so like, where's Poppy I at? Mean, <laughs> um, he brings Poppy everywhere, and so, uh, this is their love, he's at the bar, he's at, he's hiking, Always. Poppy's everywhere, Always. so just just wanted you guys to know how important, like, he's not just some, like, backyard dog <laughs> this,
1: this is, Poppy is family. Yeah, and so um, we took her to a vet, and the vet said, yes, we put parts of it to her, you know, her ACL equivalent but she's holding weight on it, so let's see if it, like, she builds the muscles around it and it gets better. Instead, she's kind of started to build up some arthritis, and then she got arthritis in the other knee, and they were recommended that we do a surgery on both knees um, at just an astronomical price. Um, and uh, and so I I, had a lot of people who just knew the story and knew and they loved poppy and even if they never met her they just loved it through social media and they were just like oh how can we help and i didn't feel comfortable asking for money from people um we're not like you know we're fine but it was just beyond what we could actually you know reasonably afford to pay for the surgery uh but i didn't feel like we were in this extreme case so i just sort of put it out there was like you know. You want to support, you know, us through this and support Poppy, you know, I brought my prints down in price a little bit, I put the link to my print shop up and I was just like, you know, buy print, get some art, and um, and I'll help, you know, that'll go straight towards Poppy's surgery. And uh and some of our good friends through social media and you know, people we didn't even know just started sharing it and sharing it and like getting out to their followings and ballooned out. And we raised uh we raised uh, 1200 bucks, which was a quarter of the cost of surgery for it. And it was just all people, like, sending all their love and support. And even the people who didn't donate were sending comments about, like, oh, our dog had the TPLO surgery. They recovered great. This is what we did that really helped. And it's like it was the best, I don't know, supportive, uh, inclusive use of that community I've ever been a part of. And it was really touching and If you were part of that. Thank you so much. Honestly, I can't even communicate how big of a difference you made and how like comfortable, like how much more comfortable we are in being able to make sure that we're able to take care of Poppy and get her fully recovered from all this. So thank you.
0: Yes. Thank you, guys. Dude, I love that story because
1: I mean it's And that's why Poppy's not here. She's home recovering right now. She's gotta wait till Friday to start walking. So I'm being diligent because she'd be up here wagging her ass and trying to jump on Prince if she were here. <laughs> I uh, I love. I mean, you hear like nowadays.
0: I feel like the golden era of Instagram is like no longer. And so, a lot of times when people speak about Instagram, sadly, it's a lot of negative talk. Like, there's not a lot of positive conversation on the platform per se, right? And so, I love just hearing stories that there's still there's still so much there's still so many genuine connections being made on Instagram. So many friendships being forged. So much help being you know. Uh, So many people being helped all around the world for various things through the platform. Like that warms my heart, and that makes me happy. but Instagram is not just a place for negativity. There's still a lot of positive happening, and so I love bringing light on those types of situations. With that said, I think that's a great place to end the podcast. All right, I'd love to wrap it up with you sharing some words of wisdom. And uh, spreading light with the AOB community. We have lots and lots of aspiring photographers all over the world uh, listening to this podcast. And, uh, you know, it's always nice to just share some some, some beautiful words with these people to inspire them to keep going on, on this journey.
1: Yeah, so uh, I guess I'll go right back to the pedestal I always go on, um, but I'll keep it short and sweet and hopefully positive. Uh, I think. The current conversation that's sort of happening, swirling around the outdoor photographer circles of, you know, how do we broach the deal of, you know, making sure that we're promoting people going outside, enjoying our beautiful public lands, that they have every right and should be on and should be enjoying, while also making sure we take care of them. And it's a big, complicated conversation. It's unclear even whose responsibility it is to be having the conversation and, you know, where, where good knowledge is coming from on it. All I can say, in the most general sense, is that uh, you know, if you're if you're out there enjoying these beautiful places and sharing them for uh, people to get to experience what you know we have protected in this country really uniquely. Nobody else has the public protection of their public lands that we have. Um, just make sure that you're doing nothing but loving them, being respectful go ahead and go read the seven principles of Leave No Trace and make sure that whenever you see people using it incorrectly, you go ahead and speak up and defend what we have because it's really important. Learn about the front store public lands because they're really important and they're very real and very unique to this point in history and uh, fight the good fight. Sam
0: Brockway, so check us out.
1: I had asked him before we started this podcast if there was
0: anything you specifically I felt called to or want to talk about. Then he goes on this long talk at the end about protecting public lands. So what we're going to do is do a second episode. We're going to do a blog that's all about, <laughs> seriously, it's all about photographers. A lot of, like It's a serious thing. I totally agree. I, and I'd love to give you the platform for us to be able to have a little, you know, conversation about how do we, or what is the right step forward in starting the conversation and how do we bring people together? Hey guys, thanks for listening to another episode of the AOV podcast. Our goal here at Art of Visuals is to keep everything free and to keep creating great tools and resources for you guys to utilize, to to achieve all your guys' dreams in the photography, filmmaking, and content creation world, even entrepreneurship. With that said, we've picked up Adorama as a sponsor to help us cover some of our costs, and we're grateful for them. All we ask of you guys is, if you're going to purchase gear, we'd really love it if you guys would head over to adorama.com and make your purchase there instead of elsewhere. And just know that when you guys do that, you guys will also somewhat be supporting Art of Visuals and allowing us to continue to create great content for you guys, uh, like our podcasts our free app and a lot of the other great things we do. Also, if you listen to the podcast, all of the AOV presets are now free. So check out our website, shop.artivisuals.com and get some free presets. The artist presets are still for sale. If you want to support the artists and you should support the artist, uh, just know that that money goes to them. And we're also going to be reworking that commission structure here in the next month. So we're really stoked about that, but go get some free presets. And if you guys want to buy gear, please support us, help us out go to adorama.com. Peace.